Love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And know. you know what? I did get I did get a few DMs saying begging us to continue this even after my move. So what people answered. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Don't act so surprised by our loyal listeners existing in this world. Do you okay. really just think you're just talking to me for you know two hours a week or what? I, I assume that's what I <laughs> assume at this point. Um. No, I, this is wild, wild that people care that much, especially because Shelby doesn't even have any news this week. And when I said I had good news stories, she asked me if I if I was going to talk about a football game. <laughs> yeah. Well, OK, I have a couple of stories, but it's not like it's not like spicy, you know, it's not like uh, new. But what do you have? What do you have that has you Shelby, so excited? If you haven't. There has been one story this entire week. Well, there was the Speaker of the House or whatever thing. Yeah, which was, was so much drama. Which was fun to watch. Um, I, I was hoping it would last longer, honestly. But uh, the, Just two years. <laughs> the, um, the Meghan and Harry stuff. Oh, yeah. No, uh, this going, is my one going, story. I'm obsessed going with it. And yes. Going and going and going. <sighs> and it's devolved like... It's fascinating because I feel like I feel like I was slightly ahead of the curve. Because did we talk about this last week or a couple weeks? Well, because I yeah, the Meghan and Harry documentary. I yes. brought it up, and yeah. I was sort of like I'm like annoyed with them. I'm sort of tired of this story. Like like it's not doing it for me. And then you were sort of like, no, they've been persecuted. Blah 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 blah. And then I feel like in the interim time between then and now, they have released via forty five outlets like. <laughs> A thousand weird stories. It's giving J.K. It's Rowling amazing. talking about how wizards poop. And <laughs> the it's just so much information that no one wants that now I have seen oh, the tides fully swing the other way where it's like everybody's like, nope, w- William and Kate, that's where we're at. Yep, they were like, they kept their mouth shut. They know what it's doing. It Ew, must be no, so annoying Matthew. to hang out with Megan and Matthew. Harry. They seemed like nightmares. Absolutely and not. I, no, that's the sense. That is not the takeaway. The takeaway is this wow, is this takeaway. is a perhaps hypocritical turn of events, and aren't we delighted by it? But it's not, you know, we can't operate in such an extreme black and white world where you believe one is good and one is bad. The truth is, every celebrity is bad. It's a matter of how much good they're willing to do in the world that's like, matters. I guess that's true. That 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 is our takeaway. We learned that with Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> so the Harry stuff. Is honestly everything I could have hoped for because when it was announced he was doing his memoir, it was like, well, you know, the Oprah interview, he kind of was mum the word on certain things. It wasn't juicy. It was like very vague and kind of dancing around. And then again, with the Megan and Harry docuseries, it gave a lot more, but it was still in the context of the bigger picture rather than the specifics. So as his 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 memoir is coming out this week, and yes, I do have a hold on it in the library already, but I will have to wait 14 weeks to get it in my hands. 
Well, it doesn't matter because it leaked already and you can just read it online. Yeah, there have been quite a few stories that I'm like, wow. I mean, first of all, it's also interesting when celebrities of this caliber write memoirs because it's like they're not writing it, right? Like usually they oh, have yeah, a Oh, yeah, he didn't write any of it. And so yeah. imagining him sitting down to tell these weird stories about like his frostbitten penis or the fact that he's circumcised and he's constantly calling Prince William Willie which is just a hysterical nickname. And I feel like highlights the, you know, I am team, I'm team Harry and Meghan all the way. I, I think there maybe, you know, maybe he's been spoiled his whole life. Sure. And maybe he's lashing out now that he feels betrayed in a real way by his family and the firm and the society and culture with which he grew up and watched his mom, you know, die over. And so all of that's really real and like fascinating. But then on the other side, there's just this like petulance to the way he's he's th- engaging with the interviews and the media where he's like, what do you mean? Like I, I never said – like he just is refusing to acknowledge the hypocrisy of him being like, these people came at me. I had no power to say what I wanted. I couldn't tell the truth. And they just let it happen. And now he's, you know – returning the favor and kind of admitting it too, where he's like, well, they, they talked at me for so long. Like I'm going to (laughs) just dump our baggage out. And it's, I love it. I really am excited (laughs) to read it. Well, the the thing is like some of the baggage is like interesting. Well, I guess it's all interesting, but like some of it does paint the Royals in a bad light, but it's such an overshare and there's so much random crap mixed in that you're kind of like... He has uh, his like kill count and like stories about losing his virginity to an older woman behind an alleyway. Well, even like the stories, it's like, oh, Kate Middleton was annoyed with Megan because Megan asked for chapstick and (laughs) Kate Middleton didn't want to give it to her because British people don't share chapstick. And I was like, good for Kate Middleton. I'm not sharing chapstick (laughs) with other people. Like that is exactly how you get First of all, it was a lip gloss. It was a lip gloss. Whatever. Same thing. I They're don't care. Um, um, or like, yeah, just uh, uh, this. There's this whole saga about how supposedly uh, William and Kate convinced Harry to dress up as a Nazi for Halloween. And I was see, like, I didn't feel like that was the story. I don't think he was blaming blame on them. I think he was sharing the context with how he chose it because he that's like the headline, right? Is so he blames William and Kate. But what he said is that he was choosing between two costumes for this really weird what was it, um, Victor's and, like, <laughs> colonies-themed party. And then they laughed at the Nazi joke, and so he wore it. It wasn't like they forced him to or, like, he felt bad about it at first. It was just the context of that story happening. Yeah, it's just so – like, so many details are so <laughs> strange. And I feel like Meghan Markle is a, is a, perhaps a different uh, – situation because i do believe like yes i'm sure there's racism at play i know you know she's like she's an outsider she's from america she was did not have as privileged an upbringing obviously as harry did so i feel like bad for her sort of in this situation but especially because the memoir is by harry and not from her it's it's sort of like you like, were there difficult situations? Yes, I'm sure. But also, like, you grew up in this crazy lap of luxury. Like, there's only so much woe is me I can sort of, like, <laughs> handle, you know? 
And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be totally woe is me. Like he has an elementary ga- grasp on on like privilege, and you know he kept using unconscious bias as a buzzword. So it's like I'm not. I don't think he's thinking this is educated yeah, or no. like the glass castle. Y- yes, just- no, I know that, but I I'm just sort of like. you maybe had a rough go of it in a couple of instances like just sort of take what you got and and like his mother was murdered yeah well so was william's mother and william and kate are just like (laughs) chilling over there they're not chilling over there that's the point okay i don't want to devolve they have not done it in there they're not doing interviews they have that's the entire point is that the firm the the royal family shovels these they have a relationship with the press where they don't have to make statements that say prince harry direct quote here it's that they're allowed to barter and deal these stories in the background and that's what has driven harry away is that they never they were willing to put him and his wife under the bus to protect their own image and were willing to say the worst things about them because they could get away with that and look clean as a whistle i'm not buying all of that Oh my gosh! Okay, like, well, because uh, I'm like, you you're know. telling me that if Prince Harry like w- wanted to g- sneak some information to somebody, that he wasn't able to do that. Like yeah, that there well, was there was nobody who wanted that information from him and would have published. It I the mean, way he I can't it. summarize all the content that I've absorbed over this coupleship. You know, like I sat through the six part docu series. Yeah, I listened to every that. word of the Oprah interview. I've sat through most of his ITV interview. So. You have to trust me when I say no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I no, I don't. I don't. The the stories are I mean, so but ridiculous. you can believe uh, that maybe he sh- he could have done things differently, but you can't sit there and be like, "Wow, William and Kate are just minding their own business." Like, no, they're no, not. I That's- mean, I'm sure that they are also not great people, but at least they are like quieter about it. Uh <laughs> the I don't like Harry just seems to me to be someone who like wants to have everything his way, is upset that it's not, and now he's, like, throwing a tantrum. Yeah, you'll have a good talk with one of my friends. She thinks he's a spoiled brat and hates him. But I think two things can be true in that he might have a little bit of a childish response in how he's dealing with this now, but also he was pushed to the brink by a industry around his family that kind of felt limiting and at times um you know victimizing well, I wouldn't of him even and blame his family that i feel like yes he is sort of bratty or whatever but i think that's to do with the fact that he was has been a celebrity his whole life like he's never had to <laughs> yeah. he's never had to you know do anything or you know sort of figure out these social skills and stuff that most people do <laughs> at a young age and so he has the same issue i feel like you know that child stars sort of do yeah when they're like, wait, why isn't everything like, why do people hate me? Why do people dislike me? And it's like, well, you know, because <laughs> you're not that great. I don't know. The it is it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly enough, a perfect segue into the other little um, side story this week, which is um, Haley Bieber attempted to rise above the fray by wearing a baby tee that said oh, yes. Nepo baby. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, yeah, that's funny. Like more Nepo baby should wear that. But, but it was such a staged photo shoot. Like it was clearly a staged paparazzi moment because she quickly changed and went about her day in a totally different outfit and was like uh, less interested in being photographed. And it's like, if anyone else had worn it, like, anyone else I think it would have been funnier but the fact that Haley Bieber is like 
only known for her proximity to other people. It's like she's the most dull sort of Nepo baby because she hasn't used that nepotism to like accomplish anything except marrying Justin Justin Bieber, Bieber. her first boyfriend, and like, you know, settling into some weird, sad (laughs) life of torture with him. Uh, But I honestly would have loved for like, I don't know. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow, obviously, but or someone like, well, it also sort of steals the thunder of it a little bit to know that like, okay, Haley Beaver 100% did not come up with that idea oh, on her yeah. own. Yeah. Some mar- <laughs> some person on her team was like, you're doing this. This would be funny. And she's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wear it to Erwan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, it's funny to see people react to it because um, Charlie XCX was like, that was a good attempt. <laughs> I love a salty exchange. It's, it's Charlie. Do they not like each other for some reason? Oh, I don't know. I think she was just acknowledging that it was oh, okay. That it, it wasn't. It that didn't well stick done. the landing. Mm, mm. You know. Um, I don't know how to segue this, but oh, okay. next story. Um, Paul Mezcal was. Two bits of casting for him came out this week. Oh. One is that he's going to be in Gladiator Two, um, which I think is sort of. Interesting. I think he's playing Russell Crowe's son. Okay. In the because Russell Crowe dies at the end of the original Gladiator, so there's yeah. that. And then he's <laughs> also going alert. to be in Richard. Spoiler alert: The movie came out <laughs> what, like 1998. Also, um, he's going to be in Richard Linklater's "Merrily We Roll Along" film, which is, uh, it's based on a Sondheim musical, also starring, uh, Nepo Babies, Ben Platt, and Beanie Feldstein. But originally, um one of the Jenner boys was supposed to have the third bit and now he is taking it over, but the musical set over 20 years. And so he's planning on filming it over 20 years. So we won't actually Ugh. get to see this movie until 2043 as Richard Linklater has loved that to do. So annoying. <laughs> Great for him. I'm happy for him. You know, that's exciting. Paul Mescal, he's the one who was engaged and then maybe broke up with, um, What's her face? He was engaged to somebody? Am I thinking of the right person? He's in Normal People. I know, but wasn't he like famously with Phoebe Bridgers? Oh, I think they dated. I don't know. I didn't know that they were engaged. Maybe they were. Yeah, they were engaged for a hot minute. And then Phoebe Bridgers was seen out and about with um, Bo Burnham. And then they've just kind of gone MIA. And so now they think Oh, that... yeah, because wasn't Phoebe Bridgers in the Taylor Swift universe because of Paul Mescal? Because of Paul Mescal? Oh, because of normal people or whatever? Well, because isn't Paul Mescal friends with her boyfriend? Oh, are they? <laughs> I think, that's how, I think that's how the connection happened. String. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, happy for him. Glad he has something going for his life. I I did see a funny dating story about Leonardo DiCaprio maybe going out with um 23-year-old model Victoria Lamas. And this story is only interesting because Victoria Lamas's dad, who I think was an actor back in the 80s, um, he spoke to the New York Post. <laughs> And, like, confirmed this relationship and had this long conversation with them where he's like, oh, yeah, um, she's very smitten. I told her to treat the relationship like a holiday, like, you know, guard your heart, just see how long it lasts because she's very young. And then 
about like 30 minutes after he finishes this interview, <laughs> he called the tabloid back and was like, um, my daughter told me I needed to tell you. Um, he said, I only talked to you because I felt it would be a positive thing, but she does not feel that way. <laughs> and he had to reiterate, they're friends. They're not in a serious relationship. And I just need that to be clear. They're not dating. She's fond of him, but they're not dating. It'd be embarrassing for her if she should read something, but they're not dating. <laughs> It's like, okay, clearly they're dating, but thank you. (laughs) Just like imagine having a dad who could just like embarrass you with that sort of gaffe at that level about Leonardo DiCaprio. I like find it interesting. The because Leonardo DiCaprio keeps obviously dating these young women, even though it's like a joke now at this point. Yeah. And I wonder like what is like, does he like, how does he think about this situation? I mean, obviously, he's just, like, horny, and that's why he's doing it. But, like, is he, is he like, mad at people for making that joke? Is he, like, think it's funny? Like, what's his take on this? I feel like he's just, like, happily in a bubble of, like, don't let the haters get to you. You know, like, just... I guess. <laughs> they're just trolls, you he's know? He's, like, like, just doing climate change and then, yeah. like... And then dating 24-year-olds. He's just unbothered. You know, he's like, you know, I've done enough good for the world. I can have this one dirty side of my life. Um, Something that I feel like we need to follow up on from last week's episode. We talked about the Rolling Stone list of the top oh, yes. 200 singers. And in a fun little bit of drama, Celine Dion's fans uh, picketed outside of the <laughs> Rolling Stone's office. To try to get her added to the list, which did not happen. But fun to think about Celine Dion fans just, you know, making their posters and going yeah, across from the uh, library at Bryant Park to it's protest like outside of the office. Free Britney. They're just like, come it's on. Like, remember that show? My favorite example of this is remember that show, The OA, that was oh, on yeah. like Netflix or whatever, I think. I don't know. It was canceled. And some woman went outside the Netflix office and was oh, on yeah. a hunger strike for like seven days before she left. <laughs> and it's like, no one cares. No one is paying any attention to you. You could die outside that office. And like, no one is is getting that show. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, ma'am. Yeah. Well, maybe this will make a difference, you know? Has Rolling Stone responded? I don't think so. Oh. Not okay. that I saw. Um, <laughs> but IndieWire shares an office with Rolling Stone. They're owned by like the same parent company. And my friends who work at IndieWire were like, ah, wish we had gone in that day. Like, it would have been <laughs> so funny. Could have joined. Could would they have, have crossed the the picket line? I don't know. I, I guess it's it's tough. Does <laughs> they it, have to take does a moral it ca- stand. Can you cross? I, I feel like crossing... You can cross a protest, can't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, that's different than, like, a union thing. Obviously. I think the terms I, are different. Yeah. Um, okay, my last big story for this week is that Jen Shaw, Real Housewife of oh, Salt yes, Lake City, catch us up. was um, sentenced to six and a half years, I believe, in jail. Um, this has been an ongoing story. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is in its third season right now. Jen Shaw was cast in the first season. She is the wife of a football, of like a prominent football coach, I believe, in the 
Utah area of some sort. Who knows the sports? I don't know. But <laughs> she also in the first season, like is very wealthy. She had tons of assistants and it was always very confusing as to where she got her money. Like they would ask her at various points. She would give things about like market research and cold calling and data collecting. And stuff. But it was always like, what? Like, like very, very convoluted. Yeah. This in between while they were filming the second season, she famously like was they were at a in a parking lot in a sprinter van. She gets a call. She asks one of the other housewives to take off her mic pack. She leaves, and like minutes later, the cops show up attempting to arrest her. She's been involved in this like massive defrauding scheme where she like gets old people on the phone and somehow or another gets like information to their bank accounts and stuff and steals money and then has been like wiring the money all around the world so this happens in season two everyone's like wait what's going on and she's like i'm innocent i'm innocent she starts selling merch on her website saying that she's innocent she's not going to take a plea deal she's fighting for her life meanwhile her major her main assistant and business partner has taken a plea deal to inform on her which is sort of like okay if you're not doing anything illegal then like how does that happen um but so that goes on she uh finally she starts filming season three or i guess maybe even films all of season three and then there is uh then she goes to court and there's a plea deal that she takes so saying that she actually did do these things rather than that she didn't do them which she's been saying for the entire time (laughs) So now the third season is airing in which she is continuing to say that she's not guilty, even though in real time we know that she is because she's taken a plea deal. Season three is ongoing. There's all of the drama that I talked about last week with Heather Gay's eye <laughs> and if Jen Shaw actually punched her or not. Right. Which Heather won't say if that happened. Um, leading up to this past week where Jen was finally sentenced to this six and a half years in jail. Um, which is like both a long time and not that long of a time speaking that she'll probably get out early. Right. Um, cause you know, it's like, she's not, she's not violent. She's not a flight risk, you know, whatever. It's like a white collar crime thing. Um, so it's, we're sort of waiting to now see if Heather, now that Jen is going to prison and this really can't affect her at all, will say what happened with the eye or not. And if she was just keeping mom, um, But in the meantime, Andy Cohen from Bravo is somehow setting up an interview with Jen Shaw because apparently when you get sentenced to prison for these kind of crimes, you don't go directly to prison. You have like several weeks to sort of like hang out and then you like and get your stuff in order and then you go to prison. Um, (laughs) So in the meantime, he's trying to set up some sort of like interview tell all thing with her beforehand and lord knows that whenever she gets out of prison she'll be back on the show should it still be on um so interesting development at the trial still be on well i mean she won't she'll this season's almost over with so she'll be on this one she won't be on any like the future the upcoming seasons but if you don't think that she gets out of jail and immediately gets back on the show (laughs) like that would be a great character arc you know it'll still be like four or five years Right, but I mean, some <laughs> of these housewife seasons have been on for decades. Like, this will get me to Paul Mescal's forty-year. Right, film. exactly. <laughs> I have to. I have to look ahead to things. <laughs> Avatar ten, you know, yeah. Jen Shaw coming back. Merrily yeah. we roll along. Yeah, 
Yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm happy for you and all of the Russell, Russell, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Here's the thing, though. The Real Housewives franchise have been struggling. They're really, like, not doing well at the moment. And I was reading some think pieces about how, like, they've sort of run their course. And it's gotten to the point where the drama is not, like, petty anymore, but it's sort of, like, these more big-scale things. It's like Bachelor. Yeah, and it's just, like, less fun to watch where it used to be, like, oh, like, this person, you know, insulted my shoes or whatever. And now it's, like, oh, maybe there's domestic violence. Maybe Maybe there's, you know, man (laughs) or, like, um uh like wire fraud you know it's like not as quite as uh zippy yeah that's life (laughs) Uh, but um but yeah okay do you have any other stories no that's all i could come up with to love it or hate it yeah (laughs) what do you have well uh, i went to um i watched the whale i watched oh i watched the whale (laughs) okay I don't remember if you ever talked about it or how you felt about it, but I hated it. Yes, I also hated it. (laughs) Despised it, like viscerally every second. Yeah, I'd obviously like known a lot of the discourse around it and the fat phobia. Why did you... This is what is boggling to me is like that movie, which I knew you would actively despise, you go and see. There's a simple answer. There's a simple answer. It's, It's length of time these days because I take let's just say i sometimes how long was the whale though it felt years sometimes have a a long lunch (laughs) (laughs) and the long lunch was to see the whale like you know a two-hour movie versus a three-hour movie that's a big hour that hour chunk of a day makes and you didn't you don't want to watch something in yeah so it really has limited like what i have squeezed in over the last few weeks um and so this, the whale really didn't have a wide release, I don't think, until this week. And so it finally popped up at my theater, and I was like, okay, I'll just go. And I, it was on your list of things I needed to watch for the end of the year. Okay. Yes. So- oh no, no, I'm glad you watched it because I'm excited <laughs> to hear what you think. But I'm okay. just saying, like, of if I had to pick movies that I'm like, Shelby yeah. would never in a million years like a second of this. The whale would be at the top of the list, I and know. I feel like there's been less offensive movies. That you're like, no. Yeah. I I agree. I think, you know, Sadie Sink was great. Everyone was good in it. Like I Yeah, Hong Cha was incredible in her scene. Yeah. And I it's like fine. I I think what bothered me is like obviously I found it like really upsetting watching it. They say it's not meant to be fat phobic. He Darren Aronofsky's gone on tours and been like I was really careful about this approach. Like we wanted it to be realistic. And Brendan Fraser's like, I wasn't wearing a fat suit. It diminishes what that really was. It was realistic. It was blah, 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 blah. It was never meant to be cartoonish. It's never meant to make fun of them. It's never meant to other them. But it was just like, I saw this interview with Aronofsky after I left the theater that was like, oh, so many movies just make uh, obese characters. Um like humiliated or evil or they're just there to be made fun of or living in squalor. And he's like, that's not what Charlie is. And then he said, after 10 minutes of spending time with Charlie, the breakthrough we hope the film has for viewers is that obesity is just a single part of what Charlie is. But the whole movie, the whole movie is spent talking about how fat he is, showing how fat he is, just like kind of reveling in it and having every single character have to remark on his fatness and like 
it, it was so frustrating to feel like he wanted to gaslight us into thinking, oh, if you're if you're only focused on his fatness, then you're missing the point of the movie. And it's like, well, if the point of your movie is his like hunt for truth and it's like he's constantly like, you just have to say something honest. You just have to be honest, like show your truth and and be fair. And that's like his journey is he finally admits to his daughter, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, every person he pushes to like be honest is basically just to call him disgusting or have an entire Zoom class of people just like, oh, almost viscerally throw up at the sight of him. Like it's just like, it was so over the top and sure it wasn't played for laughs, but it was definitely made to feel, to make people feel uncomfortable, which in itself is an interesting kind of look at internalized fat phobia and what does it say to people who see a fat person and automatically think watching them eat is gross. But that's not what I felt like he was really examining or calling out. It was just like, it was just something was so icky about it that it just felt and not, not, I'm not about like, oh, his fatness or how he eats, but just the way the camera lingered or the way the script was written to emphasize. And well, it is important to note that Darren Aronofsky has never, you know, struggled with this, been even near, like, I don't think he's, it wasn't like driven by a personal story or anything. And so it's just kind of like, what is he doing here? But uh, it, uh, that Darren Aronofsky didn't write, so it's yeah, yeah, his... it's based on a play, yeah. yeah. But so, no. and I don't, and I don't know. I mean, how what the playwrights thing is, uh, like what his body issues are. But yeah, I mean, also just the fact that it's called the whale that the yeah. like chief um symbol is Moby Dick. That it starts with this so, scene of him yeah. like trying to masturbate, but like being so fat that he has a heart attack during it. There's a couple of like binge eating scenes that are so. Um, like kind of leering and disgusting. And I mean, again, I don't know. This isn't my lived experience, but like the, even the way he was eating and stuff did not feel like a way that anyone I know eats, you know, it was just like so manic and like sloppy. And I feel like most people, especially someone, you know, who is like as well educated and put together and you know has like lived a life would not be like getting food all over their face whenever they're yeah. eating something you know it's like yeah it just felt like sure it wasn't you know just friends making fun of a skinny guy wearing a fat suit or whatever but it was still like stereotyping and I don't think it was productive in any meaningful way and even the story stripped of that just felt like it was kind of like whatever dude like it wasn't as powerful as I think he thought it was because it all whittles down to this like unbelievable idea that fat people have feelings too. And it's just like you needed to go through this, you know, million dollar budgetary experience to learn that and maybe speak to that. Like it's just, it just felt so reductive and, and uncompelling to me. (laughs) I mean, I felt as a movie about like homophobia, which it sort of is in a lot of ways that it did, I mean, it did make sense to me and like, okay, if you're a gay person living in this like very um, sort of cruel uh, homophobic situation and then that situation sort of like claims the love of your life and so you're left in this like very depressed state, like what the mind, uh, like the places that it will go to to seek solace is sort of like terrifying in some ways yeah. i think i think that part of the problem with the movie that ne- that they never like address in any way and which i have been trying to like 
wrap my head around in a lot of situations is like, so obviously this man is not like a normal level of overweightness or whatever. It's like he weighs 600 pounds. It's like an extreme. And so at what point do does it move from like sort of like regular fat phobia to like eating disorder, like levels? Um, and, and, and what, and how do you sort of comment on those two things very differently? Because, you know, somebody who, you know, just sort of like eats what they want and, you know, goes about their day and just like, you know, uh, like weighs more than like a model would weigh. Like that situation is is obviously very different than somebody who has like clearly a lot of mental issues as a lot of trauma as this guy does in the movie and is sort of like addressing that in an harmful way yeah but but again the movie does not do a like smart or interesting or um like even sort of kind examination of those two different uses of food um yeah it just sort of is like like, leering yeah the 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 threads were never pulled together for me because you have that a plot of oh he's gonna die because he's so fat and he's just eating himself through the grave and then you have this B plot of he wants to repair his relationship with his daughter because he's he's feeling like guilty for the eight years he's gone without, you know, helping seeing her. And I feel like that plot really bothered me because it felt like so, you know, he's a, it, and they admit he's a selfish character and that's sort of what they are pointing out in how he chose to abandon his family and live out with the love of his life type thing. But the ending where it's like, oh, he's he's seeking absolvement. He needs forgiveness to finally feel weightless and move free to the next plane, basically. I just was like, you know, it's not this teenager's responsibility to forgive her dad on his timeline just because he realized, oh, shit, I'm about to, like, leave this earth. Like, I, I have issues sometimes with this idea that the healthy thing for – a parent child to do is to always give forgiveness, like always give forgiveness to your parent, no matter what they did to you, no matter how damaged it felt. And it's always from the perspective of the parent who's demanding, whether it's out loud or, you know, implied that it needs to happen because they need it to happen now. And it's like, it's a frustrating storyline for me because yes, it's, it's moving to watch her finally feel seen, but I just don't like this icky side of like why now and he never really owns up to that to her he's just like you have to forgive me basically like i do love you but it's like well he still does shitty things yeah the the parent child dynamics in movies i feel like are always a little bit whatever because it's like you want resolution for the plot but yeah the if you're a crappy parent like just because you're blood related to your child does not necessarily mean that if you have a like come to Jesus moment that your child needs to forgive you and have you in his life. Yeah. I, I mean, oh, and that goes, I think for any relationship, like yeah. I think that we're raised in sort of these like generally Christian mandates of like forgiveness to everybody. Mm-hmm. But there's also a difference between like forgiveness and like, um, you know, cause and effect of like, yeah, if you're a bad parent, like, ah, the, the kid might be able to 
forgive you and sort of like move on. But that does not mean that you get to have a good relationship with them. Like your yeah. actions still are detrimental to them. And you could, you know, pay dividends for that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, I the think, ending was so weirdly like fat phobic too with this like meaning to be powerful, like final march to his daughter. <laughs> like it was just like all of it was so over the top to me and just like it just felt too um, like not thought through enough yeah. to me. Like I think that there is a version of this movie that like works in some way, but it's definitely not this version and it and yeah, I'm like I don't I'm like who was involved in this project, <laughs> yeah. who like was, you know, fat, who could speak to these issues, like how true to life sort of is all of this stuff like i don't know it, it felt like it was dealt with sort of sloppily yeah. um and so i'm glad that the movie has not necessarily gotten as much traction as i think it thought it was going to yeah. especially after some of those early festival um runs like it's easy to see how if you're not like a super woke person that this would like float right by you and you'd be like wow incredible but i think that more people than i thought were catching on, are catching on to the fact that, <laughs> yeah. that this is not great yeah i Did feel like five years ago this would have been watch? perfect yeah <laughs> um well n not well i guess maybe kind of to watch but i finally after over a year finished war and peace and i feel oh. <laughs> like i need to discuss this on the podcast even though you always make fun of me for reading long books and sure. you know being pretentious and whatever yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Let's, let's really emphasize that um but no i spent a long time reading war and peace which I started sort of because a friend and I were going to do it together and then life got in the way and she didn't get to it. And I have sort of like read a bunch of other stuff off and on, like in the process of this, which is why it's taken so long. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. I like, I like a long book. I like sort of sitting <laughs> with the characters and having them f around for a long time. You know, it's just like more, you could, you can get into more stuff with them if the book is longer than a short book. Not to say the short books are bad because I love short books too, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, yeah. Like this covers a very, like a long period of time. It has a lot of characters. I also watched the mini series that came out a few years ago, which is really good and stars like every currently famous person before they were famous. Like Jesse oh, Buckley that. is in it. Paul Dano's in it. Um, uh, uh, Lily James is in it, like a like a, a a very good cast. Um, but the main thing, or my main takeaway, I feel like reading it was just how in the age before, I mean, before social media, but even before like news could travel well, you know, like before the yeah. telegraph and stuff, just how at the whim of leaders everybody else was <laughs> because no one had any information you know half the people couldn't read like nobody has access to anybody else so someone just comes to you and tells you like hey we need to go like because the whole thing is about the napoleonic wars so it's like napoleon in france gets his sort of army together of all of these countries that he's captured and they're going to fight russia why we have like just because napoleon wants to like there's no <laughs> good reason because france and russia are nowhere near each other like russia's not invading them russia's off doing their own thing but france decides they need to invade them and just like the hundreds of thousands of people who got like dragged across europe like 
died along the way or were like in these villages that the armies marched through and like took their house and took their belongings and, you know, raped their children and like all kinds of horrible things for truly no purpose other than Napoleon just wanting to say that he ruled Russia. Like <laughs> the fact that there for for thousands of years, this is how society worked that like, you could get anyone to do basically anything by just like showing up and telling them like either a, this is what God wanted you to do or b, like these people are evil and they're coming to get you and you have to save your family. Like you could tell people anything and they sort of just had to go along with it. And then they just died left, right and center while the aristocrats sort of chilled um, is just wild to me. And I'm, yeah, I mean, makes like, me think, you know, endlessly. And now I'm, I'm going to Japan and, um, a couple of months and so i'm reading this book on like japanese history just because i truly know nothing about japan and felt like i should know something before i go and again it's like all of these you know shoguns and samurais and stuff just like going around killing each other like none of the towns people can read they're just dying left right and center <laughs> and i i'm like i'm so glad that we live in an age where like, yes, there's lots of terrible things that are going on, but at least there's, like, enough information that, and most people have enough access to information that, like, before you get dragged off into something, you can at least do a Google. Because I even think of, like, the Vietnam <laughs> War was basically this. So You're like, hey, man, we're invading Afghanistan. Let's just Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean? Like... Like, it's much more difficult to get people on board with a war nowadays, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah, no, it's an interesting, I'm sure, yeah, on a scale, if we're grading on a curve, then yeah, yes. I, I, mean, I think that I, is There's lots, of, there, and there's different problems now, and you know, there's drones, like, then they're fighting with swords or whatever, but it's like the, it's just crazy that yeah like tr oh, truly I, these I aristocrats just like wanted territory them. and we're like well we're yeah. doing it like everybody get on board yeah it's absolute nonsense it's like yeah and now we all just exist in these weird you know drawn up areas that someone claimed centuries ago it's very odd it's very weird to realize it all just came down to some one man's Not even centuries ago because yeah. <laughs> like the like Europe is all broken up based on like half those countries haven't even been around for as long as we've been alive. Yeah. I know. It's it's, uh, it's a crazy world. We're all just <laughs> it's strange. And anyways, that was my takeaway from War and Peace was like, wow. <laughs> sucks. It could be worse. That's the sign I mean, of a definitely. good book, honestly. Uh, you know, well, and, 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 like, and you haven't, and we haven't even gotten to the women who, you yeah, know, they <laughs> yeah. got nothing. Yeah. Could be a lot worse. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, future has its own problems, as we'll discuss on Thursday with our true to life uh, horror film, Megan. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, I'm the worried about that. that persist. I, I bought a doll and it's in my living room right now and I'm worried about it killing me. Um, but okay, yes, this has been a great episode. Glad we got to talk about uh, Harry and Megan and all of that jazz. We'll be back to talk about a different Megan on Thursday. We'll see you then. Bye.